0: You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Yes, dunk tank today. And you'll want to be here at five if you want a shot at me because I'm the first half hour. So if you want to come. Now, here's the problem I have with this. I just noticed it on the sign in the office this week. They're only charging a buck a ball and $5 for a guaranteed dunk. I think it should be like $20 if you want a guaranteed dunk of a pastor. But uh, feel free to come. We've got water slides for the kids, jump houses, carnival games. Our student ministry is going to feature some carnival games for the first time. Lots of things going on today from 5 to 7. Great time to hang out and get connected to other people in the church. Grateful that all of our ministries are doing that. Today, we're going to continue our series on basics, going back to the basics. As you're you're back to school, kids are back to the basics. Those of us back to work in different office environments are back to some of the basics there. And for sure, as a church, we're kind of relaunching journey with the basics that started this church. And today, I'm going to talk about one of the basics that I seldom actually talk about. I'm embarrassed to say that, but we're going to correct that today and it's going to be part of our mission statement going forward. We're going to talk about that. I want to start with a story. Noah Ben Shea is, an, is a Jewish poet. He, he tells this parable, this story about a young boy and his dad. Now, his dad was telling his son that uh, there's going to be a parade coming through town later that week. And, and dad remembered all the great stories and times with his dad going to this citywide parade. So he told his son, We're going to go to the parade. His son was all excited. The day came, and he takes his son out to the parade, and it's wall to wall people. I mean, they couldn't even see over the heads of all the people lined up on the street for this major parade coming through. So dad did what his father did. He grabbed his son, you've done this before, lifted him up and put him on his shoulder so that even though dad couldn't see, the son could see everything. And the little boy got a little arrogant about it. Maybe you've done this or your kids have done this. He says, hey, dad, I can see everything. I'm so big. I'm so tall. I'm a giant. Look at this. Look at this. Look what's coming down. Can you see it, dad? Alt's oh, bummer, dad. You can't see anything, but I can see it all. I'm a giant. And his dad just let him go. And then later that day when they went home, he sat down with his son at the table and, and uh, said, son, do you know what a giant is? He goes, yeah, somebody that's really tall can see everything. He goes, no, that's not really what a giant is. You know what a giant is? A giant is someone who knows that they can see because they're on top of somebody's shoulders. And a giant is someone who cares enough for others that he helps them see by putting them on their shoulders. You were a giant today because somebody lifted you on their shoulders to see. Jesus said something similar. He said, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news because they are like giants in the kingdom of God, bringing the news that saves people and letting them know that, letting them know what brings salvation. And then he gave us this commission. We've been talking about the pursue God and love people one at a time. He gave us this commission that I'm sending all of you to be giants, to go and reach the world, teaching them to do all things and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the day. Why? Because you are not just regular people. You're giants, And if you don't root for San Francisco Giants, maybe you should convert today. Never mind, I didn't say that. Today, we're going to finish up our mission statement. And as I alluded to you before, there's a piece of the mission statement that our staff and elders wisely added to the mission statement that we've had for 19 years. And it's been there by default. It's been there by inference. But today, you get to see the why we exist. You get to see the why we pursue God and love people one at a time. You get to see the why, and we're going to say it together. And today, since it's the last time we're going to do this, I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a second, stand up as a group. You can stand up at home if you're watching this online, and let's say it with all of our lungs, just like you sang praises to God. Let's commit to this mission statement together. So let's say it out loud. The mission of Jesus' Journey is we share Jesus' transformative love by pursuing God and loving people one at a time. Turn around and give somebody a high five and say, I'm so glad we have this mission from Jesus. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> Today I want to talk about that first part. we've talked about pursuing God. God gave this command to us way back in the Old Testament. It's carried through. It's one of the big two is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what pursuing God looks like. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We talked about loving people one at a time last week. And that goes along with the love your neighbor as yourself. That is the command Jesus gave us at the very end of his life saying, I got a new command for you. As you love, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's what I want you to do in this life. And everyone will know if you're my follower, you're my disciple, if you just turn around and take the love I pour into you and give it to somebody else. Why? Why do we do that? Why does it matter? He saved us so I can pursue him. Great. He's he's blessed us so I can love other people. But why does it matter that everybody else sees us pursuing God? And loving people one at a time. Here's why. Because in doing so, you are sharing Jesus' love with the world around you. And this, I'm embarrassed to say, I've not preached enough on. And this is the thing that I want to correct today, and more often is to show you the power of God in you already that, and the simplest way to share Jesus' transformative love. You're going to walk out of this room knowing that every person in this room doesn't have to be the pastor on stage to share Jesus' transformative love. Do you get that? No, you don't get that. Well, let's see if we can dive in. I'm gonna go to a text in Acts chapter 26. Jesus gave us this uh, statement in the end of Matthew that all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go into the world, baptize, and teach all people to do what I've commanded. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. That was our commission as the church, the body of Christ. And then there's this guy named Saul that shows up in the book of Acts. Saul thought he was pursuing God when he was persecuting people that followed Jesus. Saul thought he was protecting the name of God when he called for Stephen to be stoned. He thought he was doing the right thing when he was traveling to Damascus and trying to find those that believed in Jesus and put them in prison because they were going against the will of God. That's at least what he thought. And then something happened to him that changed his life. And that's the story I wanna see. I want to show you from Saul when he became Paul. And then today, if you'll let me, I'm just gonna walk through that story with you and show you some highlights from that story. And then I'm gonna end very transparently and share a little bit of my story with you. I'm gonna live out what I'm teaching you to do today. And if you'll bear with me, I think it'll help inspire you to do the same. Let's go back to the story. Here's how to share Jesus' transformative love. Let's look at how Paul did that in the book of Acts, at the very end of the book of Acts, chapter 26. It'll be on the screen. You can read along with me, but if you've got your Bibles or got your electronic device, I'd sure love for you to highlight those things in this text. So Paul is in prison. He is in Caesarea Maritima, which is right along the coast of the Mediterranean. That's where Herod the Great built this huge city. It's an amazing location, and he is sitting in a prison cell for years years, waiting to go to trial because the Jews wanted to kill him, and he pleaded for the case of Rome to protect him. And so here he is in this prison. You'd think Paul would do anything he could to get out of prison. You'd think that he would defend all of his actions and his behaviors and the things that he was doing to get himself out of this legal battle that he's in. But that's not what he did. He didn't defend his actions, he actually just shared his story. King Agrippa shows up. He's the one in charge of all of the Middle Eastern area for Rome. He's in charge of the governor called Felix at the time. And he shows up and he wants to hear about Paul because he's heard about this guy. He's been all over Europe. He's been planting churches everywhere and he wants to hear what Paul has to say. So he shows up into this court under big fanfare and Agrippa turns to Paul after the Jews make their accusations in the court. And he says to Paul, all right, Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand, and then he began his defense. And here's what Paul said. Listen to carefully. He says, King Agrippa, I consider myself what? Fortunate <laughs> to stand before you today as I make my defense against the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you, you already know, you're well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and all the Jewish controversies. Therefore, I beg you just to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I've lived ever since I was a child. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees from the very beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They know that for a long time, and they can testify if they're willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it's because of my hope in what God always promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. Everything that they believed, everything that I believed with them, I'm now on trial because I actually believe it. And then he goes on. He says, this is the promise our 12 tribes were hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. They're still hoping for the hope that I believe has already come. And King Agrippa, it's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should, and here it is, why should any of you consider it incredible that God would actually raise the dead? I'm on trial because of the resurrection. And I too was convinced that I ought to do all that I could as possible to oppose the name of this Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, talking about Stephen. And many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. And I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Now just pause right there in the story. I want you to see what Paul just did. Most of the time people do whatever they can to get out of the trouble. But Paul didn't bother with that. He chose to tell his story of what about what got him in the trouble. He goes back into time and starts to tell his whole life story about what caused him to be in trouble with the Jews and what he was doing even against the Christians. I mean, you talk about a testimony. He he was going back and being very transparent and open about the fact that he was just as serious against the Christians as what the Jews were. Why would he do that? here's what I think. This is my opinion. I tell you when it's my opinion, but this is what I think. I think this is what Paul did every time he started a church. I think this is what Paul did every time he walked into a synagogue. I think he started with the story that brought him to where he is in order to demonstrate the power of God that was with him. See, what I notice from this story, and from every time Paul does this, is that... (laughs) he is fully relying on the power of God to work in the moment that he shares his story. He's fully relying on God's power. He knows Jesus is with him. And so therefore it emboldens his words to say whatever he needs to say for the benefit of the people around him. I love the story of John Ortberg, who was a pastor down in LA area before he got this big mega church and grew into his leadership roles over the years. He was, a, he was an associate minister in LA and they were walking through Newport Beach. He and an associate pastor, one of the elders from the church was with them. And they are three walking down this street in Newport Beach area. And all of a sudden they see ahead of them this bar fight that has flown out of the bar and out into the street. And there's these two men beating up on a third guy in the middle of the street. And knowing that something needed to be done to save this man's life, the two ministers... Weak and frail and thin as they were run up to these guys and they say, cut it out, which did nothing. I mean, what were they going to do? And so they kept yelling at these two that were beating this man up. And finally, the two that were beating the man up stopped what they were doing and turned to go after John Ortberg and his buddy. All they did was just redirect the fight back to them. And as soon as they started to come towards John, John was about ready to run. He says, but something stopped them in their tracks and they get big eyes and then they race down the street away. John's thinking, yeah. (laughs) And he turns around and he sees this 300 pound, six foot six muscle builder standing behind him, never said a word, never did anything. He just stood there and flexed. And it caused those guys to stop in their tracks. When John realized what was going on, he turned around, and don't you forget it! <laughs> I love that story. John nicknamed the guy behind him Bubba. Because when Bubba with you, you got nothing to be afraid of. You can be much bolder when Bubba's around. And Paul realized somebody much bigger than Bubba was with him. And it emboldened his testimony. Paul knew over time and over all of his many years of ministry that Jesus was with him and that that boldness to share his story was where the power is. Listen carefully. You got Jesus with you. He's bigger than Bubba. He's more powerful than any force of this world. And when you tell your story, his power is there. That's why Paul would talk to the king, not about his defense or about what he did or justifying his actions with the Jews. He would just tell his story because that's where the power lies. And the story goes on. He doesn't stop there he tells what happened. Paul was Jew of Jew, Pharisee of Pharisee, against the way, and these people that were calling themselves believers. And then on one of those journeys, Paul says, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. I had these letters giving me permission to arrest people. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on that road, I just saw this light. From heaven, it, it was brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions and, and we all just fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, that's pretty amazing, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads, those, those spikes that they would use to push the cattle and the, and the horses along. It's hard for you to fight me, Paul and then I asked, who are you, Lord? Saul says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you keep persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see. I will rescue you, from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Again, Paul's story. This is what I was before. Then Jesus showed up in this crazy way impacted my life. And now I have this new calling, this new mission, this new responsibility. And King Agrippa, I'm adding to the text here now, but King Agrippa, do you see? That's why I'm here. I'm here to tell you my story so that you can come to understand who this Jesus is. I'm here to share with you what happened to me because I really want it to happen to you. I'm here to share with you the power of Jesus because, man, when you get Jesus in your life, it can radically change everything about you, just like it did me. He tells his story. See, first he recognized every moment, every time. I think every time he started a church, every time he went to synagogue, he recognized Jesus' power was with him. And then he just talked about what Jesus did for him. That's all he did. Didn't justify anything. Didn't stand against the Jewish accusations. Didn't try to make sure, show what they were doing wrong. He didn't go on social media and start yelling and screaming and arguing with people. He just told his story. You can do that. It's really simple. You have a story. If you have a story of a before Jesus and an after Jesus, say amen. Amen. You have a story to share. And it's in the power of that story that Jesus gets the light on. It's in the power of that story that people recognize what Jesus did in your life. No one can argue (laughs) with your story. And they couldn't argue with Paul either. You have a before, and a then Jesus, and now there's an after. Isn't that kind of what Jesus said he goes up to a blind man. A guy's been blind since birth and he does something to heal the man and, and they call him into the temple and say, how in the world did you get this healing? Tell me the story. What did you say? And he tells them the story. Well, go back, talk to the parents. No, no, no. Let's see, did the parent, was he really blind or was this just a facade? Did you guys just use this to get money? I mean, how did you? Do- no, no, he was really blind. Go back and talk to him. I was blind. What? That's my before. I was blind, but now I See my after, all because of Jesus. And many of you in this room have a story. And here's what I know about you because I know it's true for me. Most of the time we have a story and we give God praise and glory for it. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me. Hallelujah. But I don't want to tell you because I'm afraid what you might think of me. I I don't wanna say it because I'm fearful of how you might view me afterwards. Or I might screw it up and say it and then, then what? Come on, don't we all struggle to share our story because of what it looks like to our reputation? And what we miss, listen, what we miss, is when we don't share our story with people that need to hear it we forget that it stops putting the light of Jesus where they can all see it you have incredible power in your story and fortunately gratefully i know some of your stories of marriages that have been rescued, of people that have been saved from health issues, of those that have gone through seasons of difficulty and then found their way through Jesus to find the other side of that story. You got a before, but now, praise the Lord, you got an after. Oh, wait a second. That should have got a better response. We got an after. There was an old, but now we got a There was the sinner, but now we're sons and daughters of Jesus. Why would we be so afraid to share that story? Paul is standing with his one shot to stand before a king and plead for his innocence and get out of jail. And instead of worrying about what he's going to have happen to his life, he tells his story. You know what that was? That was loving King Agrippa one at a time. The story continues. You can read all of it later. But in verse 19, so he turns to King Agrippa. He could have stopped right there. Hey, this is my story. Great, Paul, that's fabulous. Go ahead. Glad that happened to you. That's great. But then he does something else very bold. King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that vision. Jesus changed my life and I wasn't disobedient to it. I had to do something with it. First to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and Judea and then to the Gentiles, I just preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by the things they did. And this is why some Jews seized me in temple courts and tried to kill me but God's helped me. Power of God. And to this very day, so I can stand here and testify to small and great alike, I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets of Moses already said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer. And as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light, the resurrection to his own people and to all the Gentiles. He told Jesus' a story. Did you see that? And at this point, Festus, the governor, interrupted Paul and said, You are crazy, Paul. You're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. And Paul says, No, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is true and reasonable, it's my story. And the king is familiar with all these things and I can speak freely to him. And I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. He's been paying attention to this all along. So King Agrippa, here it is. Talk about bold. Turn to the leader of the entire region. Do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And he stops right there and invites King Agrippa to believe in Jesus too. See, when you realize that the power of God is with you and that your story has power, then the most logical, reasonable, proper thing to do is to share that story with someone who needs to know Jesus. Because that's where the power of your life meets the power of God. and then invite them to discover Jesus with you. At the risk of you looking differently on me, I'm gonna do the exact same thing I just asked you to do. And you don't need to know all the details. I think you'll figure it out. But I just want a minute to share my story. I was a kid oldest of four kids in a divorced family. My before was about being broken. I was a broken boy, hurting, alone, feeling so inadequate, struggling to do what I thought everybody else wanted me to do, angry at my dad for what he did to break up our family, broken in my relationship with him, And as I got older and older as a teenager, some of you know what I'm talking about because you were there. As I got older as a teenager and moved into adulthood, I turned to all the wrong things to satisfy my hurt. Alcohol being one of them. And at 18 and 19 years old, I was a messed up young man. But I met this girl named Diana She was, I'll let her tell her testimony, but she was just as messed up. But I don't know why she did this. She introduced me to her family. And her dad named Ollie, who I thought was just gonna torch me because who does this kid that wants to date my daughter and all this stuff, he embraced me. And Ollie invited me to their church. I felt like I better say yes because man, you don't wanna say no to the father of the girl you're dating. And I went to the church and I had this whole different experience. Instead of it being a God-fearing situation where I was doing it because that's what the religion requires of me, Bill Walker, the minister there, introduced Jesus to me in the way he pulled the stories out of the scripture. And Ollie invited me on a men's retreat and little by little, day by day, Sunday by Sunday, I got to know the Jesus that is in the scripture, not just the religion that we grew up practicing. And God did something to me. Bill invested something in me. He shared with me the whole story of how Jesus came and was baptized and how all the followers were baptized. And then when they gave their life, when they made that step of surrender, it, that's when it changed their lives. And when I figured that out, I'm like, well, shoot, I want my life changed. I'm sick of this lifestyle. I don't want to live like this anymore. I hate what it's doing to me. And I don't know where to turn with my anger and resentment and hostility. So he invited me to follow Jesus. And at 21 years old, I was baptized into Christ. And I didn't have a light shine down from heaven. Sorry. But something inside changed. And it was at that moment Diana and I got married. I started learning how to be a husband. I started learning what God called me to be. I started, was invited to teach. I was started to become a leader in the church and I started to be leading in my home and my business. And little by little, step by step, change by change, God has brought me to the place where now I humbly lead this church feeling as unqualified as I did that day. See, here's the thing. That's my story, but it's not my story. It's his story. It's what he did. I had a before and Jesus changed it. And here we are today because Jesus changed my story. That's where the power lies. And I look at some of you young people and some of you not so young people and you're holding back When Jesus could take your life and radically make it such, so powerful. I'm praying you would just let him. That's what Paul was saying that day to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, don't you want to be part of the story? Don't you want to let God do what he can do through you? Aren't you ready yet? Because the power of God lies in the surrender of your before to become his after. So my challenge to you today is watch for the opportunity this week to share your story. I'm not asking you to come up stage. We could be here all day. That'd be great. But I want you to wait and let God bring the person into your life that needs to hear your story and then you share your story with them and you watch what happens when your story intersects with his power. It can radically change their lives. We share Jesus' transformative love. How? not by our wisdom, not by our knowledge, not by all the things we know from the scripture, not by all the memory verses we have in our heads. We share Jesus's transformative love by letting the before of our lives be revealed and share what Jesus turned it into after. That's how you share. And watch what happens when a church does that together. It can change the world. Jesus, today, I just ask you to do something miraculous in our midst, to allow us to have the courage and the wisdom and the hunger to share what you did in our lives so that others can find your power and your change in their story. I pray today we would develop that kind of boldness to allow our story to be something that changes the lives of people around us. Thank you for what you did in my life, in Diana's, in many of our lives in this room. And I pray today you would do that again and again and again in the lives of people that hear our story. We love you and praise you for caring for us enough to intervene in our before and give us an after. Do it again, God. Do it again hundreds of times. Do it again with our friends and family, people we love. Do it again with us. We pray this in the power of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.